Living la vida loca, talking about a low carb diet. Uh-huh. Getting your body healthy, and ain't no doubt about it. Yeah, it's really about ketosis, a ketogenic life. Yeah, a real time indicator for ketosis called ketonics. It messes your breath for ketones. Are you burning fat? Uh-huh. It's the first of its kind. All my ketonians, where you at? Hey, I'm just here to let you know. Wanna look and feel incredible. We living la vida low carb. Get your body healthy and live long. Hey. Keep my fats high, and my carbs low. Need my glucose down right now, pronto. Check my ketones, look at the stats, yo. With ketonics, now I'm in the burning fat zone. Ketonics, we burning fat, yeah, we on it, yeah, yeah. With ketonics, I'm burning fat, and I'm on it, yeah, yeah. Living la vida low carb, I do this every day. If you want to burn that fat, it ain't no other way, yeah. Go to ketonics.co. And for my international followers, it's ketonics.com. Woo! Uh, living la vida low carb. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet. Trying to get you feeling bright. Cut up them avocados. Fry some eggs. Time to explore. The longest running health podcast. Hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer. Motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show.com. Woo! Hey, hey guys, we're back here on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show with Jimmy Moore. And today we have a lovely lady joining us here for the very first time on the podcast. Her name is Christina Kerp. She's the creative mind behind the Castaway Kitchen which is a popular food blog and destination site for people that are into real food and low carb. That's me. Uh, She is a Miami native with Cuban roots, has lived all over the map, supporting her husband in his military career. She's a chef and mother on the move. She's accustomed to having to pack up their lives and start all over again every few years. And this ongoing adventure birthed her blog, which is a collection of inventive, low-carb, keto, whole food-based recipes that help reverse autoimmune disease, lose weight, and take control of your health and well-being. Interestingly, Christina holds a BA in anthropology and has over six years of working in a commercial kitchen. I know how hard of work that is, so kudos to you. She's here today because she has a brand new book that is her debut book called Made Whole, More Than 145 Anti-Inflammatory Keto Paleo Recipes to Nourish You from the Inside Out. Christina, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Jimmy. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And you've been doing your thing out there in the whole low-carb, real food, paleo, keto world for a very long time at the Castaway Kitchen com but now it's got real girl <laughs> i know it's you got in a the book. It's, it's in print <laughs> you got a book now so we're going to talk all about that book here in just a moment but why don't we back up a little bit because you don't just start talking about health and diet unless you yourself have a story and i'm assuming you do have a story to tell that's related to this absolutely um as you mentioned oh, i'm sorry i just hit my thing um yeah, i'll I, hit mine there we go. Now we both hit our microphone. I talk with my hands. So I'm like <laughs> knocking things over. Um, yeah, I was, I have autoimmune, autoimmune disease. So my, my one like official diagnosis is hydrogenitis superativa, which is a pretty bad skin condition. It's among the most debilitating. Hydro what? Well, well, uh, hydra, so slow that one down for okay. me. 
hydrodenitis superativa. Wow. Is there yes. like a acronym for that? <laughs> HS. Yes. HS. Okay. <laughs> um, so I have HS. I know. It's like people, what? Um, so really what it's a, it's a type of like cystic acne. It's like boils really. And you get them in like clusters sometimes and there's like tunnels and it's very inflammatory and Sounds very painful. painful. Yeah. It's excruciating. Eef. And of course you get them in very delicate areas. So it's very embarrassing and people don't like talking about it. And I had this since I was 13. Wow. Like under your arm and in your crotch area and yeah. and all kind of places. In your thigh, groin, buttocks, under your breast. Some people Oy. get them on the scalp. Very unfortunate people and sometimes get them even on their face or their chest. Um, but it's it. some people get horrible surgeries where they're literally cutting out entire areas of skin. Just because um, it hurts too much. Right. And it's a lot of people are on disability because they cannot move their extremities because unfortunately, when you're getting into stage three, stage four, stage five of HS, you get these boils and they open and they're like an open gaping wound on your body and it will not close for months at a time. Do they pus and everything just like a boil? It does. Yes. And it and sometimes there's odor and it seeps. I mean, people, you know, there's blood on their bed sheets or their clothes or it stains. It's I mean, it's very unsightly. And unfortunately, Doctors don't handle it really well. Yeah. Uh, even dermatologists, they'll diagnose you and then they'll give you the guilt they trip and they'll tell up. you, right. Or they just tell you you're dirty. I mean, I was told that I had to wash better as oh a my teenager gosh. with this and given antibacterial. So. Oh my goodness. Did they, did they figure out why you got it? Is it just kind of a genetic thing or was it, how, how did you get it? Well, so yeah, it's auto, it's auto inflammatory and definitely autoimmune. A lot of people, they still don't know the root cause. A lot of people with it. There's a lot of overlap, of course, with like leaky gut and predisposition to autoimmunity um, and definitely like high sugar intake. They've noticed like now f- finally conventional medicine is even saying, yes, sugar can affect this disease. Begrudgingly, um, they're saying that, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but no, the doctors still do take either birth control to help with your hormones, take antibiotics, steroid creams, that kind of thing. So I lived with this my whole life. Um, until I saw, a, I was so desperate, like desperate because it began to spread. I always had it on my inner thighs and sort of under my arms. But after I had my son, it spread to under my breast. And like, I'm sorry. I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. I need a part of my body. I still like. <laughs> don't mess and with the girls. <laughs> don't mess with the girls. And so that was my last straw. And so I went online and I think was, you know, hydrodenitis cure with food is what I Googled. Really? And I, um. Because I've always been a foodie, you know, food is my thing. And because I, I was a chef and I worked in various restaurants, so I was like, I can do food. Like, tell me, what do I do? And so, so what did you find? A Rob Wolf's website, and there was a guest post by Tara Grant who has HS. Yes. Who put it in remission through diet. She's a sweetheart girl too. She She's did. been on this show before. And she wrote her book, The Hidden Plague, which is about her story and yep. her HS and how yep. she did it. So that was an amazingly empowering moment for me. And like my brain just like melted. And then I was really angry at like all of the millions of doctors I had seen who had never even mentioned diet as a you know option. Yeah. So but it was a good, good moment. I was able to thank Rob Wolf in person for having that post and Tara online and just they changed my life. I read it and I was like, OK, let's do this. So I did paleo for a while. And I didn't go full blown AIP. And I think a lot of people in AIP protocol. Yeah, exactly. It's a little scary, right? Coffee, chocolate. Oh, my God. So many foods. 
eggs, nightshades, nightshades. Yeah. Back then a tomato, never again. Are you kidding me? And so I was like, no way, Jose. So I was like, <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to do a whole 30 because that seems more doable. And I did a whole 30. I did several. And I kind of was dipping my toe in that pond. Like, I'm going to drop eggs for a little bit. But I didn't go full-fledged AIP. It took me four months to get the co-jones to kind of jump in to AIP. It is, and I tell people, you don't have to be perfect from day one. It's okay if your change is gradual, you know? Um, I finally did it. And, man, nightshades are my biggest trigger. Yes. <sighs> so, so, I learned so green that. peppers and... Tomatoes. Any kind of bell pepper, tomatoes, eggplant, white potato, but uh, um, the tomatoes and the peppers are the hardest to avoid. Hands, but paprika is in everything, like well, you know, mustards and every seasoning. And your culture, uh, your Cuban roots, <laughs> I'm sure that's major. <laughs> those major, foods. major. I can't eat at grandma's house anymore, and it's hard to explain to her why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Christine um, has an Italian grandmother who used to make all this like pasta stuff. And and when we started eating keto, we'd say the same thing. Oh, it looks so delicious, Grandma! But so you had to like take an obligatory bite, but mm-hmm. you knew you didn't want to. <laughs> right? It's so hard. And yeah, look, I, a part of me maybe it sounds awful because I have suffered being far from my family. But being military, a military spouse, we've lived all over the world, and we just moved to Virginia, but we've been in Hawaii. For the last three years. And I think the distance was a little, was actually a tool. It was kind of great to be isolated. So I yes. can do all oh, my self experiments. Oh, it's so far to fly home. <laughs> I know. We can't go. It's too expensive. <laughs> Where in Virginia do you live now? Virginia Beach? Alexandria. Oh, okay. Yeah, cool. it's nice. Yeah, we're just still getting settled in. Um, but yeah, it's been insane. Like this whole road of like self-experimentation. I did the autoimmune protocol. Saw improvement. But it wasn't my end all. Right. You know, I felt like I was still missing a piece to my puzzle. And I think the problem there was that the autoimmune protocol by nature is very starchy because people are using a lot of cassava root and sweet potato, a lot of plantain. They're using tapioca starch for binders. And I found myself really bloated and just having symptoms of like small intestine bacterial overgrowth and um then I in that in that vein, I was like, OK, let's go low starch to see if I can like not starve this bad bacteria. And I kind of never went back up in carbs. It was like low starch to then low carb. Um, kept learning about keto and learning about I had no idea you could full fuel the body with fat. It was really interesting, like going down that like wormhole. And what I was your that foray I was- into that? How did you get into the keto message? So it was interesting um, because I hadn't even heard the term keto at that point. I had been paleo for almost two, like a year and a half, two years. What year and was I, this? This was about three years ago. Okay. So right at 2015. Right. And it, even though I was so immersed in the paleo community, I really hadn't heard the term keto. Well, and paleo heard- had gone very anti-keto at that point uh, in 2015. They weren't real happy about keto. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I think it's so funny because now for me, because I came from, I guess, paleo when I transitioned to keto, it was like, well, of course, I'm bringing along my paleo principles because that's like where I got my foundation. Right. Yes. The healing. I wasn't going to let go of those habits. But um, Mark Sisson's work, the Primal Blueprint does talk about that. I mean, his in that book, his range is a little higher, but it does talk about the under 50 carbs, you know, fat burning range. Yeah. And um, I read Rob Wolf's Wired to Eat. And, um, it was, that's when I learned I was insulin resistant and, um, 
I started kind of Googling like what to do for insulin resistance, because of course some people and some people in the paleo community still say that eating low carb will make you more insulin resistant, which I have of course found not to be true for me. You know Um, why they say that? Because the elevated blood sugar in the morning gives you this physiologic insulin resistance. And so you have higher blood glucose in the morning and they call that insulin making you more insulin resistant. Well, it's not actually doing that. It's actually a glucose sparing effect. So there's glucose dependent functions in the body, mostly in the brain and heart. And you need that glucose in the morning. So it loads it all up for you right as you're waking up in the morning. And then the rest of the day, your blood sugar is normal and it's reflected in the A1C. So, yeah, it's a little bit of uh, miscommunication uh, and scaring people, which is kind of why I've gotten a little jaded by the by the paleo world not really embracing the whole keto thing. We could have we could have had such a a wonderful Magical. ride together. <laughs> such, a good, such a good romance. I agree. I mean, for me, it was it's interesting because I used to be one of the biggest people like, but yeah, but weren't you great, like feeling better on paleo? I'm like, absolutely. But I was eating nonstop. Yeah, I could eat half a sweet potato, bacon, spinach, eggs, sausage for breakfast. Two hours later, I was munching on like dates and almonds. And then two hours later, I was eating a big salad. And then two hours later, it was just I mean, I was spending a fortune on groceries. You think and the starch was stoking your hunger? Absolutely. And even when I first started keto, the program I followed, because of course, like all things, right? When you don't know what you're doing, you follow the rules. You know, I have that theory. I'm a big rule breaker, but I like to master them before I break them. <laughs> and so I followed someone's program to a T. It was uh, Michelle. She does a fat burning, uh, fat burning. Uh, it was fat burning for women. The book, No Fail Fat Burning for Women is her book. And it's a little 72 page little manual. And, um, and Sky St. John, there's the two women who wrote it. And so I followed their program, which did have carb ups. And I was doing them at the beginning, every three to four days after you weight lift, you have some carbs. But I realized early on that the nights that I would have the sweet potato the next morning, I was insatiable. Mm. And so I organically dropped the carb ups for a while. And if I do one now, because I'm still extremely active and I sometimes I'll do CrossFit and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't. If I have a carb up, I fast the next day completely without even thinking about it. Just I'm not hungry. Um, and that is to me proof that my insulin resistance has severely, you know, it's gotten so much better. And um, I wish this was talked about more, Christina. So thank you for for bringing it up, because there is this notion in the ketogenic world, especially for women, that you need to do these carb ups to normalize your hormones, to you know, fuel your workout post-workout to, to get that insulin boost, to get the muscle building. I mean, all of these things are being put out there and people are trying them. And when that, that doesn't work, they then go, well, what's wrong with me? I thought women were supposed to carb up. Right. And I think some women need it, but I, I don't think that everyone does. And I know for me, it's so, it goes back. So it goes to intuitive eating, which I'm a huge proponent of, but I think that, I think that, intuitive eating and maybe carb ups are kind of like you have to be expert level before you really dive in because someone with a history of binge eating and overeating and lying to yourself about these things like I did. And I think a lot of women do, we self-sabotage. So if maybe you're taking that carb up as an opportunity to eat crap, it's not going to benefit you. Um, 
Call it a crop up. (laughs) A crop up, exactly. And, you know, I do them and people always say, well, when do you know when you carb up? I'm like, honestly, it's completely instinctual. But I will say it's maybe once or twice a month. And I really think it has more to do with my menstrual cycle than my workouts. It's just maybe we're sometime in my cycle where I feel I need it. Um, And I do it. And then the next day I'm never I'm not hungry and I usually fast and then life goes on. I don't even skip a beat or feel hungover or get out of ketosis. But I do think that a lot of times practices that can be really helpful to people it's just that they're not being implemented correctly or people are like abusing it you know you give someone like a little like an inch they're gonna take a you know foot yeah so you mentioned there about intuitive eating and Mm -hmm. i think uh that's something that i wish more people would kind of get in touch with because Everybody is all about, I got to hit my macronutrient ratio percentages. And if I don't hit my percentages, I guess I need to eat a stick of butter to get my fat up to the percent. And it's like, that's not intuitive. That's not even smart. I, I don't, I don't ever understand the reasoning behind that. So what do you mean by intuitive eating? For intu- intuitive eating means that you're eating in a way that you, your body feels it's best. Like you're not forcing it. So you're not eating when it's time to eat. You're eating when your body tells you it's time to eat. And with keto, people have a big transition because I think organically your body kind of starts tapping into its natural hunger signals. And they might not be at 8 a.m., noon, and you know 6 p.m., right, right when we're used to eating. And so you have to kind of break free of um, the conventional wisdom of three square meals a day. Um, and I also think that people who have been, um, who have hormone imbalance or leptin resistance, their hunger signals aren't even functioning properly. So I think if you've been doing keto for a while, or just at least real food for a while, you can slowly start cueing into intuitive eating where you only truly eat when you're hungry and you stop eating when you're full and you're satisfied. But I have, and this might be a little woo-woo for some people, but I have the belief, and this is coming from someone who's lived it, that you can only really tap into intuitive eating when you're in a good place with yourself, um, when you, your inner dialogue is healthy, when yeah. you're not self-sabotaging anymore, when you believe that you deserve to be happy and healthy. Um, and, you know, it goes back to self-love. I think self-love and intuitive eating kind of go hand. You can't have one without the other. Or are you one of work. those people too, uh, Christina? I am. <laughs> That's why I love you so much, because I'm I'm totally on board with that and authenticity. It, it's yes. so missing. And I'm, I'm loving that there's more and more people that are just being bluntly honest. And I, I think we we need a return to that because yeah. sadly, the online world has become a world of fakery and people read right through the fakery. And then they go, well, if everybody's fake. Why do I need to even bother with anything? Whereas you've got someone like yourself who just puts it out there and you're just totally blunt. Um, People connect with that. Absolutely. And in this world where I agree, there's a there's a it's I call it like the Kardashian syndrome. It's like going in the wrong way where everything is this manicured, perfect, like everything's like a production. And that's not the real world. And yes, that social media can be a great platform for people like you and I to connect with others and to help others. But it has to be authentic and you have to show the good and the bad and our own struggles, because if not, you know, right. How are people to tell? How can people like cut through the BS to get to the good? Um, 
But I do believe that I, that's why the diet dogma is so dangerous, especially oh, all don't these get accounts me started. <laughs> of these people. And I, they're on my feed. Like, I don't know why they come up these sponsored posts on my Instagram. And it's like yes. some guy and he's like in a six pack and he's like, you know, doing this really like flashy video on like how to burn fat and do what I do. And this is what I eat. Yeah. Like just today I saw a video of this guy who's like lost all his weight and he eats one 4,000 calorie meal a day, but he's wow. eating like candy and like tacos the size of his head and i'm like there's no way that that's healthier that he actually eats that like he would be in the hospital um and it just i hate it because it's fake of course like where do you even get a taco that big like obviously they made that specifically <laughs> for the video that's not real life people like they don't sell tacos the size oh, of you haven't heard the super duper dippity sized uh, taco bell taco <laughs> i don't it wouldn't fit to the drive-thru man it was huge i'm telling that's you i was funny. just yeah, that stuff is but it people, you know, and it's got millions of views and comments and shares. And I'm like, what is throw, happening? Throw it in the back seat. <laughs> <laughs> like strap it to the roof. Bring yeah, the put a seatbelt on that thing. It might walk away. <laughs> exactly. It's a crazy world. I want some pizza. I'm just in the mood. So I check the website. Real good foods. But I'm trying to eat healthy. Trust. No flour. It's 11-inch cauliflower crust. Low carb, high fat, and plenty protein. Grain and gluten-free. Everything that you need. Made in four flavors. Ooh-wee. Uncured pepperoni, margarita, veggie, or cheese. If low carb pizza is what you want, you need to check realgoodfoods.com. Taste is amazing. Oh yeah, it's the bomb. You need to check realgoodfoods.com. Foods.com. Free shipping online and in Kroger stores across the U.S. Realgoodfoods.com. Woo! Are you looking for a quick keto meal that has not just a little bit of protein in it, but also all the electrolytes, vitamins, protein, fat, and more that will meet one-third of your daily needs? Then let me introduce you to Keto Chow. It's a quick and easy-to-mix shake that is designed to give you a complete ketogenic meal. You're able to customize the calories because you decide how much fat to add. Most people mix it with heavy whipping cream, but you can also use avocado oil, coconut cream, a little MCT oil, or any other fat of your choice. Keto Chow is designed specifically for people on the go to replace one to two meals in their day. It comes in eight flavors, including chocolate, vanilla, chocolate peanut butter, cookies and cream, strawberry, mocha, banana, and salted caramel in both individual meal samples as well as a large 21 meal bag. There's also a sample of all the things bundle that has one of each flavor plus a Keto Chow blender bottle to get you started. Head on over to JimmyLovesKetoChow.com and use the coupon code LLVLC to get 10% off of your first order. JimmyLovesKetoChow.com It's interesting you brought up the diet dogma thing because as of the recording of this, just today I posted on Instagram about how someone took me to task because I dared talked about that someone that eats vegetarian or vegan could actually do a ketogenic diet. I, I did one of my keto whiteboards that I've been doing lately and, and I posted that about, you know, you know, if you eat vegetarian or vegan, here's how you can do a keto. And so this person took me to task and said, well, veganism is not keto. And so how dare you to, you know, say that vegan is now keto. And I'm going, this person lives in a very sad place because Here. I think at the end of the day, 
the Christina Kerps of the world, the Jimmy Moores, all of us are out here simply trying to get people healthier. I'm not about dogma at all. Yes, obviously, I'm very pro-keto, pro-low-carb because it works for me. But what I'm really pro of, Christina, is finding the things that will help people get healthy. And if it happens to be keto, great. If it's more of a vegetarian vegan, great. If it's a paleo, great. But find what works for you. And if you do that, and we all kind of collectively bring our voices together rather than having an adversarial tone, how much could we change this world? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, people who are vegan and vegetarian, a lot of times it's an ethical issue for them. So it's really they're not doing it because it's something moral. And then why can't they reap the benefits, especially if you have a diabetic vegan who can do keto? And I feel that way because I'm someone with very crazy food restrictions. So I can't do most nuts and I can't do nitrogen and I can't do dairy, but I still keto and I made it work. Keto, I made the keto work for me in a way that I would still made me feel good and could heal my body. So I hate when people say, Oh, you can't do that. And like challenge accepted, you know, of course, vegans can, can do it. There's a lot of like health avocados are vegan. They can eat nuts. They can eat tons of like green veggies. And I think I saw that post. I, I Sometimes the internet, man, it's, mm, you gotta have some thick skin, Jimmy. People are so <laughs> nasty, but I bet he would never say that to your face. That's the thing, right? Well, and, and the thing is, this person is a very long time follower and, and, and yeah, she, she wouldn't say that to my face. I don't think so. It, it just, it was disappointing to me, uh, because I'm trying to reach out and change the world. And mm-hmm. I don't think you change the world with dogma. Dogma not. makes people cringe because they're like, well, if that's the only way, then I don't know. I've seen other people do some other way. That's the opposite of that and get healthy and blah, blah, blah. So it's like you open more doors when you're willing to reach out a hand to another thought. Um, And I don't think that that's abandoning your keto principles, whatever that's supposed to mean to do that. Absolutely not. I think you're right. The more outreach, the more people you bring. We're getting a lot more philosophical in this podcast than I expected. (laughs) But, you know, there's gradients, right? And there's there isn't like one way to eat or one way to do something. And I think shutting that door and saying you can only do keto if you do it exactly the way I do it is going to shut a lot of people off to the possibility of healing through eating this way. And I'm someone that if I had been, if that door had been slammed in my face, right, you know, coming from the paleo world AIP, I would have been really sad because I've benefited greatly from a low carb life from getting my, I mean, it's been extremely like anti-inflammatory, you know, combined with avoiding my trigger foods. But I agree. I think, you know, those outreach, the people accepting people saying, Hey, you're welcome here. doesn't matter. I'm not going to judge you. At the end of the day, all we want to do is, you know, buck conventional wisdom, heal people through food and lifestyle and empower people to change their lives. And, you know, that's for everybody. Well, we've already gone down the rabbit hole of uh, (laughs) some of this discussion. Let's go down one more rabbit hole that I know is a pet peeve of yours as well. And that's the whole idea that your health is dependent on your current weight and that there's new ways to quantify what healthy means. Um, Do you agree? I absolutely agree. I absolutely. I mean, if you someone um, told me that I would be 200 pounds and the healthiest I've ever been in my life five years ago, I would have been like, no way. I have to get down to like 175. I'm 5'9", so I'm a tall girl and I've always been big. And I lost, you know, I didn't have dreams of being like in the 120s ever, I think, because I was just, I've always just been really big. You look big, weird but, at 120. 
I w- no, I don't think it's possible. I think my bones weigh more than that. But, um, you know, I'm it's crazy how we quantify the number on the scale with how healthy we are. And doctors do that. They tell you walk into as someone who's been overweight most of my life. Every time I've seen a doctor, they've completely brushed aside any everything I'm telling to them. All they see is a fat person in their office and all they see is you're too you're fat, lose weight, you'll get healthy. And what I've learned is that I wasn't fat because I wasn't unhealthy because I was fat. I was fat because I was unhealthy. Mm. And the illness was causing so much of that excess waking, but as I've lost some body fat and I my body has changed and I'm in this place right now where I'm really loving my body, I'm loving how I feel. I really feel like I'm at my optimal health you know what? I'm not skinny, but I'm healthy and I'm strong and I'm owning it, this body, because it's come a really long way. And when people and my cholesterol is great, my blood works great. I have muscle, but yeah, I don't have a flat stomach and I definitely have cellulite. Um, and it really was an eye opener for me to, to kind of like reach my goal, but it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, like my goal shifted. Like I always thought, I have to have a, I have to be cut or ripped or whatever, right? Um, or super tone look like those people on Instagram to be a success, <laughs> right? To be a a success story, um, and I don't believe that anymore because I know a lot of people who change their lives and our weight isn't is the last thing to go. There's a lot of reasons our body holds on to some fat, and you know, for birthing babies, for I don't know hibernation, like. It, it, you know, historically not humans weren't super lean, especially depending on where you're from. If you really want to go like prehistoric, like some of us do better with some fat on our body. It's not necessarily a sign that it's of illness. Um, so, yeah, I get um, kind of hot and bothered when people say you have to be um, look a certain way to be healthy because I don't I don't look like that. And I'm you, damn healthy. You know how I often shut people up that say that kind of to me? I say I'd be dead today mm-hmm. had I not made a change. So mm-hmm. having a little fat on my body and still having a pulse, I'll take yeah. that. I'm yeah, that. absolutely. And I'm, I, it's funny because at the gym now and, you know, someone I really like working out, I'm very active and I don't work out to lose weight. I don't, I hate cardio, honestly. Like I'll run if a bear's chasing me, but other than that, no. And so I like lifting weights. But I used to compare myself, right? You know, women, we do this, especially young women, we go to the gym and you stare at the girl and she's so thin and she's, and I used to like want that body. Um, And now I go to the gym and there's, you know, the girls are still there, really cute, their sports bra on their flat stomachs. And I'm there kicking ass and being a beast and I feel awesome and badass and I'm super strong and I don't like, they're the ones looking at me being like, damn, you're crushing it. And I'm like, hell yeah, you know, so (laughs) It's a lot of that goes back to self-love and perspective. Yes. But um, I do believe that if people really want to be happy and healthy, actually, Stephanie Dottier, and I know, you know, she is, she's so great. And she has such a good quote, which is, if you cannot be compassionate with yourself at a size 20, you won't know how to do it at a size six. Oh, I love that. Oh, isn't it so good? It's so true. And Um, And she's another one of those that the, the fat bug just doesn't want to let her go. Uh, And yet her markers are incredible. So it's it's sad that our society has so judged us based on our outward appearance. And hopefully that is changing. I do sense that that's changing now in our culture, that people are are looking a whole lot less at weight as a measurement of health. Uh, But it's going to be a stigma that will be very difficult to overcome. But I'm hoping that as more and more people 
come out of insulin resistance, try something like a autoimmune paleo or a ketogenic diet or something that's anything but the crappy garbage they're eating now. And mm. they start to deal with some of these issues of the weight not necessarily coming off like they want it to. And yet their health gets better. I'm hoping the normality of that makes it a lot less of a stigma moving forward. Totally. And keto, especially like I said, breaking insulin resistance, you might not become skinny, but your body composition will change because when you start losing that visceral fat, you might not lose all of it. But I had that moment where I found myself very with a stick figure where the weight was only coming off of my limbs and not my center. Yes. And I had always been like curvy. I'm come on, I'm Latin, right? So I was very, always very hourglass, even at like 260 pounds. But then I found myself, I was losing weight, but just not evenly and going. Are your keto, arms and legs skinny? They are now. They yeah. weren't before. But, you know, now since keto, it is starting to move some of that body fat because I am starting to burn that visceral fat. And my body, though, the scale has not moved. I'm telling you, I weighed the same for the last six months. I've still gone down to dress sizes because my body composition is changing. Yeah. And there's still fat on my stomach. And I got that little roll on my back and the jiggle on my thigh. But come on, that's not going anywhere. And that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I have very muscular calves. Mm-hmm. Despite having weight in the midsection um, and my arms are skinny and my and like I said, my my legs are pretty. You could see the definition in the muscle. I, so I'm like, what's up with that? <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, it's definitely a puzzle. We're also there's so many components. And that's one of the I'm like the Goldilocks. And I'm like, I'm going to try everything um, because as long as you're eating real food and you're, you know, sleeping well and moving your body and living in a life of integrity and authenticity and living in ways that makes you feel really good, you know, what? why change? I like keep moving forward, keep doing the good work. And maybe one day you'll wake up and you'll be like, oh, damn, I look awesome, you know, and it'll be maybe because your perspective changed or maybe because your body changed. But either way, you're going to be happier than if you're sitting there just like bashing on your body or letting other people make you feel bad about it. Mm. That will preach, girl. That was good. (laughs) Well, let's get into your book because we've talked a lot about kind of philosophical things. But let's talk about tangible things like the food that you eat. So, again, her book is called Made Whole, More Than 145 Anti-Inflammatory Keto Paleo Recipes to Nourish You from the Inside Out. The world's longest title of a book. Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But uh, Victor Bell likes to do descriptive titles. So good job. They do. They so, do. So the one that caught my attention right off the bat was the cheesy yellow sauce. And of course, yes. you've already talked about how you can't have dairy. So right. how'd you make cheese out of a uh, cheesy sauce with no cheese? So it's MacGyvering food, um, which is my Did you say MacGyvering food. Yes, that is that is my superpower. If you're of a certain age, you know what that means. <laughs> like, oh gosh, I'm aging. I'm old. Um, so yeah, I what I do is I steam, I steam cauliflower. Come on, cauliflower, the hero of the low carb diet. Yes. Um, so I steam some cauliflower and I throw it in the blender with garlic powder and nutritional yeast, which is a deactivated yeast that's gluten free, and you can get non fortified nutritional yeast on like Amazon. And it has umami flavor and umami flavor, which if, like, let's say, think about MSG, right? Or like fish sauce um, or Parmesan cheese, you know, the crystals on Parmesan cheese, that's umami. And so 
the nutritional yeast has that umami flavor. So I had nutritional yeast, a little Italian seasoning, a splash of vinegar. Um, and I blend it all up into silky and creamy and it's like nacho cheese. It's so good. And it's, I love it on like pastas or burgers. There's several recipes in the, in the book that include it. Um, and it really hits that spot. And then to that same recipe, you add some gelatin and you put it in the fridge and it firms up and you can like slice it and melt it. Oh, that's wicked. So, So wicked. And it's a, a vegetable base, a plant-based cheese. Well, not with the gelatin anymore. It's not vegan, but um, it's great because for people who are learning that maybe they can't eat dairy and it was a staple in their low-carb life, I wanted to include options for them to still eat foods that they love. So it's keto Velveeta. It is. Oh my gosh, I have to. I should have added that in the notes. It's awesome. And, and then, like Super Bowl Sunday, you have a big bowl of it with pork mm-hmm. rinds, and it's totally keto. Totally keto. And you can put some Fiesta guacamole on the side. And I also have a like a prosciutto chips that I make, you know, so you roast the prosciutto, I fold them and I bake them and they're like little chips. They're so good. Um, yeah, so totally delicious. And I'm, I'm a big fan of um, there's no restriction in a sense. Like I know people would say the way I eat and they're like, how do you eat that way? You can't eat so many things <laughs> because I do keto, but no nuts or nightshades or dairy. You just showed how to do it. There you go. Exactly. I eat, I love the food I'm eating. And most importantly, that food loves me right back because I feel really good. Yes. So. And, and by the way, guys, on all of her recipes, they have the total carbohydrates, the total fat, uh, the total protein, the amount of fiber for those of you that subtract from total. I don't uh, subtract, but uh, but you do include that in there. Uh, and then the calories for each serving at the bottom. By the way, that cheese recipe, cheesy yellow sauce is on page 68. But I wanted to pop over to page 98 because I saw this uh, word I've never seen before. And I want you to tell us what a zatziki is. Zatziki. Zatziki is a Greek sauce. It's like what they put on like heroes. And it's um, it's made with coconut and dill and cucumber. And it's like it's the epitome of cool. Like it's cool to the taste and on your tongue because it is a cold, creamy sauce. It's delicious. And like a spinach I made, dip? What is it? No, it's just a creamy cream sauce that they put on meats and on salads and on like sandwiches. It's, it's a Greek sauce. It's very good. So it's the basis of it is usually Greek yogurt. It's and pretty fatty. I'm looking at the fat content. So 13 and a half grams <laughs> of fat, just 2.9 grams of carbohydrate and a half a gram of protein. Pretty darn keto. Yeah. So I make it with my coconut yogurt, which the recipe is also in the book. It's so dairy free. So you make coconut yogurt, which of course nowadays you can find it in several stores, but I know some people can't find it or it's really expensive. Well, so the it's cheaper so to delicious make your brand own. is really expensive. <laughs> yeah. So no, this one is great because for the you make it with the homemade coconut yogurt, which for the price of a can of coconut milk and a little probiotic, you can make homemade yogurt that's going to cost you practically nothing. And that's it's cool. so good for you. So, yeah, the book has a lot of fun stuff like that. A lot of international recipes because yes. I'm big on not getting bored with food. Well, um, And the fact that you have uh, all this professional culinary experience, it just ups your game. And, and I think that's what set you apart with your book from the others, not to dismiss anybody else in the keto community that's making cookbooks, but dang girl, I can tell (laughs) that you're, you're bringing your a game uh, with your experience in the kitchen. And uh, another example of that, you guys is on page one fifty, where she has a pumpkin 
chili, I would have never thought to use pumpkin in a chili. <laughs> yes, when you can't use tomatoes, baby, you get creative. There you go. And so it comes out rich and creamy. And this one is super fatty because I add mayo to it and yes. um, a little bit of coconut cream. And that's another thing I've learned because I can't do like I use a lot of um, either egg yolks or mayonnaise or for those who do egg free. I'll do like pureed cauliflower. And those are my tricks for like thickening sauces and soups without using starches. Um, And it's so good. Yeah, I'm looking at the fat content of that one. Thirty four and a half grams of fat per serving, seven point eight carbohydrate and forty one point three protein, which you've got quite a bit of. uh, What is the protein source in that? Uh, Bone broth broth and ground beef and ground beef. That's right. So you could mm-hmm. even use fattier, you said 85% lean, you could even use fattier uh, ground beef if you choose not to have that much protein, right? Right. And you can add less or use a sausage even, which could be fatty or a pork sausage might That's be a true. good choice too. Yes. Yeah. Or bacon. So it, I love the way I look, I look at, well, at least for me, and I talk about this in the front matter, intermittent fasting isn't necessary for keto, but I do feel it works really well with keto because it's a, it makes it easier to manage your macros, I feel, or those kind of things where you can enjoy a bowl of that chili and then maybe have another fatty meal and you're good for the day. That's right. Um, instead of, cause it was a lot of work to try and do the math for three meals. <laughs> I don't like math, Jimmy. Well, and, and anybody that eats keto, if you're eating three meals, you probably didn't eat enough in the previous meal if you're needing three meals. Right, right. I don't Absolutely. know many keto people that eat more than a couple of meals in a day, unless you're doing it for a specific reason, reason eating every few hours. Uh, most people that are keto, and is that your experience that most people, and including yourself, that you end up eating maybe a couple times a day? Yeah, I eat. Twice. I usually do like my coffee in the morning and I do have a fatty coffee in the morning. So I do yeah. like fat fasting with my coffee. Um, I know people are like, oh, if you want to lose more weight, you could do like black coffee. But A, I hate black coffee and B, it's just so good how I make it. I want it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want it. It's like my routine. So how I have do my you fat make coffee. It? Um, so I do a combination. I change it up, but I always have, I do put Ceylon cinnamon, which is really good for your liver and it's yeah. really good to stabilize blood sugar. So I do that and I either do, um, I always do a little bit of coconut cream and some MCT oil. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of cashew milk, um, that I make homemade. So I make, I can make it lower in carbs or I do cacao butter, which is so good because it nice. makes it taste like chocolatey, but without yes. the chocolate. Mm, so creamy and I'll have a cup or two of that. And then I usually don't eat till later in the day. Like today I had my coffee and I've had three eggs that I cooked in duck fat. Um, and that's all I've had today, but I'm sure with dinner we'll eat some veggies and some stuff and some protein. I'm coming to Alexandria to have. (laughs) Yes. I love cooking. I know you're coming to town to my area and I won't be there. I'll be on book tour, but you have to come again and I'll cook for you. That's like my love language. For sure. Yeah. Well, one other recipe caught my attention. Guys, definitely go get the book. It's called Made Whole. And uh, one other recipe that really caught my attention was on page 254 because my comfort food growing up, one of my favorite ones was meatloaf. And so bacon wrapped meatloaf. And I was like, okay, you've taken my favorite comfort food of my past with my favorite comfort food of my present. (laughs) And you've made it into this glorious meal. Tell us about this one. So the bacon wrap meatloaf, and this is my trick for a beautiful meatloaf, because that's a handsome meatloaf. If you're looking at the picture, it's not the yes. like soggy thing in the pan. You make it like on a loaf, like bit on a sheet pan. So what you do is you make a log with the beef mixture, which is nicely seasoned. And I use flax egg 
so you don't have to use actual egg in it. Um, because like I said, the book has a lot of like egg free or nut, it's all nut free, but coconut free variations. And then you wrap that loaf with bacon. And the trick is to wrap it nice and tight and the bacon overlapping a little bit. So as it cooks, it doesn't gap out. Oh my gosh. And you get this gorgeous golden loaf because the bacon gets crispy all the way around. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's gorgeous. And it's so delicious. And when you slice it, it has a really good texture. It doesn't crumble, but it's not dry. I call it like, it's so beautiful. You could serve it as a roast for a holiday. Like no one will complain. It's like a fancy meatloaf, but easy to make. I am drooling just looking at the picture right now. <laughs> so good. And again, very fatty, 39.2 grams of fat for a serving of the meatloaf, just 4.9 grams of total carbohydrate and 36.6 grams of protein. So really high in fat uh, and just oh so delicious. And one of the things I love about flipping through your your cookbook here is you don't assume everybody has to avoid eggs. So you're like, you know what, if you can't do flaxseed meal, you can omit it and then use one large egg instead. Uh, you can also make it AIP compliant. Here's how you do that. Um, it, it's just, it's really cool that you took the time to say, okay, I realize there's various people reading this book and I want to cater to all of you, but the only people that you're not catering to, especially with the meatloaf is vegans. Uh, no, but, but you have some vegan recipes in here I as do. well. I so, have a plant-based, but yeah, my daddy's a butcher, so mm, vegan. <laughs> <laughs> it's something that I, I mean i tried when i was younger like a rebellion or something but come on it's not, yeah it's not, not my thing that's funny yeah. i love my meat yes as you should because it's yes. very nutrient dense it is so nutrient dense well christina kerp is her name definitely go check out her brand new book called made whole and also visit her blog thecastawaykitchen.com and she's all over the interwebs on instagram mm -hmm. and facebook and youtube go check her out uh, the Castaway Kitchen is her username in all of those places. But Christina, so cool to have you here today on the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Thank you so much for having me, Jimmy. I had so much fun. Uh, living La Vida Low Carb. This show is changing lives. We talking about your diet, trying to get you feeling right. Cut up the avocados, fry some eggs. Time to explore the longest running health podcast, hosted by Jimmy Moore. Time to give up the crappy garbage. We're getting into ketosis. Every day is a new step to your goal. Yeah, you're getting closer, motivated and focused. Don't stop, just go. Time to get inspiration from the Living La Vida Low Carb Show. Hey, the Living Low Carb Show. Disc of Light. <laughs>